0: This is the Pool Together Community Podcast. Pool Together is the world's number one, no-loss, prize savings account. You can visit PoolTogether.com to deposit. You're listening to the Pool Together Community Podcast. I'm your host, Hot Mike, a.k.a. Tim, a.k.a. Gnarly Mullen. Did you know that? And I'm here today with Andy from ECO. So excited to talk to you, Andy, about... Um, your product, this, this startup that you're doing, the round of funding you just closed, that's exciting, and what's on the docket for you. So welcome.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
0: So Andy, you're, you're at Stanford. Is that a thing? I,
1: I was. I was
0: back you in were. the day. Yeah. Okay, but always, right? You totally just rep the brand. You got your Stanford sweatshirt on right now, right?
1: <laughs> I don't think I have a single piece of Stanford gear, unfortunately, but maybe I should. I'll try and pick some up.
0: Well, see, my strategy is I just, every Ivy League school I go to, I just like pick up their stuff and I wear it. And then people try to talk to me and then, Smart. <laughs> oh I yeah, like. it's in Sigma Kappa Pi Alpha. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, n- it never works. No, even with crypto gear, uh, I don't get stopped a lot. But um, but Andy, I would love to hear just your origin story. How did you back your way into crypto? How did you get here? And uh, And then I would love to hear the origin story of Eco, if I could.
1: Yeah. Sure thing. Um yeah, with crypto, I got I got really lucky. I was uh, yeah, I was studying at Stanford, um, studying math and computer science, and I took this class uh, taught by a guy named Bologies from who um you might know he's uh, he was the co-founder and CEO of Earn.com, CTO of Coinbase after they bought Earn. He was a GP in Drees Horowitz, um, and he's now kind of a author, philosopher, investor. Um, he wrote a book called The Network State and uh, and he's amazing. So I took a class from him. Um, he was he was a professor at the time, and uh it was about startups and technology and all sorts of things. It was really interesting. But a group of us uh who were really into that class, seven of us wanted to keep hanging out after. Bology wanted to keep hanging out too, and so we just kept spending time together. And Bology came to us and said, Hey guys, this Bitcoin thing is gonna be a big deal. This was in 2012. Um, it's like this Bitcoin thing's going to be a big deal. We should start the, the Stanford Bitcoin group. That should be what we what we do as a group to you know, keep spending time together and do do interesting stuff. And uh, and we, you know, at first, we're a little skeptical. We weren't totally bought in yet, but it seemed interesting. It seemed you know, worth the time. We wanted to keep uh, hanging out and, and Balji was awesome. And so we did it. He, he convinced us. Uh, and obviously, we all ended up going deep down the rabbit hole. Um, and so, yeah, we started that group and for a couple of years, uh, you know, while we were still in school, we did a bunch of advocacy work for, for Bitcoin. We did, um, built a bunch of cool projects, did a bunch of, of research work, uh, kind of academic research on Bitcoin. So we, we just really spent time working on, um, on Bitcoin. And that was how I got into the space. That's how I met a lot of the first people, um, that I ended up spending a lot of time with, uh, and, uh, and got into, uh, got into crypto then obviously haven't been able to, leave. It's been almost 10 years now, um, which is cool. Uh, I was going to say, uh, what
0: year was this? So this is 2010? This is, no, this 2012, 20,
1: 2012. 2012. Yeah. 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 It's actually 10 years. Yeah. It's been 10 years. So um, so that's pretty cool. And, and there was back in the day um, when we were getting started, you know, we were the Stanford Bitcoin group. There there were other groups just getting started now and it's cool to see everyone um, is still around the space. You know, one of the other kind of first group in in the U S that got started was the, mit bitcoin group um and the two leads of that uh you all may be familiar with were ryan selkis who runs masari now uh two bit idiot and dan Elitzer, who's an investor at nascent and was an investor at ideo collab and i'm pretty sure invested in pool together um a couple years ago Uh, and uh, yeah and so those guys were based too
0: so what's the, what's the Stanford Stanford Bitcoin group now? Like, is that Cal State Fullerton has got something going on? Like, what's the new it place? I guess MIT, Stanford, but where, where do you think that is now? Or, or is it still at Stanford? Is it still at MIT?
1: You know, it's a good question. I don't know. I've, I, I'm a little bit out of the kind of university scene now. Stanford still has a group. Um, it's not actually called the Stanford Bitcoin group anymore. I think it's called the Stanford Blockchain Club um, or something like that. Uh, you know, and we started the group, the Bitcoin group in 2012, and then in 2014, uh, six of the seven members of the group, myself included, all dropped out of school. Um, and so the group kind of died because there was really no one left. Uh, and so there were a couple of years where Stanford didn't have a group and then, um, some, some new folks picked up the mantle and set up the, the, the Stanford blockchain club. And so that's now, now what they're running but i think that's going really well and I'm, i think many other schools now have um have programs too which is really great
0: That yeah that's really great i i would think though that academia would be a little bit behind the curve maybe in the at least in the i mean especially because you all dropped out <laughs> like the momentum you know shifted to the g train i i seriously had i met two devs on the g train just hearing them overhearing their conversation and so stuff was happening. So. Maybe Brooklyn, maybe at least in the United States, maybe Brooklyn, maybe, maybe, uh, I don't know, Miami or something.
1: Yeah. Brooklyn's Brooklyn has in the United States, I think probably the, the strongest, uh, strongest crypto community these days.
0: Oh, I love that endorsement. Okay. So then,
1: then how eco, how'd you get there? Yeah. So eco got started in, uh, in 2017 and I actually wasn't full-time at eco when it got started. I was just starting Coinlist. Um, at the time, and we can talk about the, the CoinList story. Um, so I was getting CoinList started, but um, so was Eco uh, at the same time. And I started as a, a founding advisor to Eco, so I knew the team really well. Was really involved from early on, just helping them and um, and participating and trying to to assist as I could while I was uh, off running CoinList and uh, and ran CoinList for three years until uh, uh, and you know was a co-founder there. And then in October 2020. I ended up leaving CoinList and came over full time to Eco as CEO um, and I've been running it for the last couple of years. Uh, And so we can talk about that. We can talk about how that decision came about CoinList obviously is an incredible business. Um,
0: Well tell me about starting CoinList. I would love to hear that because that's just like, I mean, I mean, right. It's keeping track of all like the token offerings, the ICOs.
1: Yeah. And actually running, running the token offerings and um, build communities and, and now also as an exchange and a bunch of other business lines too um but yeah it, the way Coinlist got started was in in 2017 um protocol labs was just about to launch filecoin and they wanted to do a big sale for filecoin a big public sale and so they, they were going to do that and they realized that uh they really needed some help on kind of the compliance side of running a token sale and so they called some friends at list, which is you know a huge startup funding platform in the united states um and said, Hey, you know we're going to launch this token. You guys have lots of compliance and 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 kind of uh, fundraising expertise. Let's work together. And what they realized really quickly was that uh, that collaboration was something that every single crypto project needed. Every single project was going to run a launch a token, run a sale, and they all needed the same set of infrastructure. How do you compliantly sell, distribute these tokens, wallet infrastructure, um, you know kind of investor communications, all of these things? and uh, and so they ended up saying well this should really be its own independent business every token project's going to need this and so let's let's spin out this company coinlist and so coinlist spun out of angelist from that collaboration um i was really close with the angels team and the protocol labs team and uh and they were looking for for someone to run it um this this kind of new spin out entity um and i happened to be available and so stepped up to the plate and uh and took the reins there and, and had a couple other co-founders, five of us total, um, and ran that for three years.
0: And is this in, in NorCal? All of this is like happening, all the connections and stuff are all happening in NorCal?
1: Yeah, a lot, a lot in San Francisco. Also, Coinless was also in New York, so it was split SF New York. Um, so there's a lot of back and forth, but, but the very beginning was in San Francisco.
0: Gotcha. Okay. All right. And then, so from Coinless then to Eco.
1: Yeah, well, you know, Coinlist was was going really well. Um, twenty twenty, we'd kind of made it through winter, we'd survived, um, and token sales were picking back up. The business was going well, uh, so I wasn't I wasn't trying to leave Coinlist. Uh, the company was doing great, um, and everything was really good. But I had this, you know, extremely unlikely set of circumstances that led me to say, "All right, I should leave Coinlist." This company that is my baby and that i've been running for three years and that i care deeply about and uh and come and join eco and it was this this combination of a few things you know i think one one big one was uh the mission of eco which is to put people's money back to work for them and try and rebuild the financial system from the ground up and create something better um is i think the highest and best use of crypto it's exactly what i want to be working on and so there was this mission that I cared deeply about, plus a team that I thought was absolutely incredible, world-class. Um, and so it was, you know, I, and I had looked at 4,000 crypto projects during my time at CoinList. Literally, we had, during my time, we'd seen 4,000 crypto projects try and apply to work with CoinList. So I had, I had seen a lot of them. Um, and I could tell that that ECO is something special. And that was true. And then two other things happened. One was that you know, at, at that time I could just tell that eco was going to succeed. It had been in kind of an R and D phase for the first couple of years where it was, you know, it might work. It might not, but then in 2020 got a bunch of early signals from the market. Things started to shift and we started to say, wow, this thing is going to work. Uh, it's really going to go. And and I can, I can tell that it's going to, after looking at all these projects, at Coinlist. you know, I have a pretty good sense for this and I can, I can tell that this is going to work. So all of a sudden mission I cared about, team I thought was incredible, and just clear evidence that the thing was going to work, and then the last piece that came into play was that at that point, the eco team needed uh, a new set of skills, and that new set of skills just happened to be the stuff that I'm really good at, So the team that existed was the perfect team to get through the R&D phase and build out the initial product and get those initial proof points, but there was kind of a next phase coming up where we'd be going to market, commercializing, building community, uh, fundraising, doing all of these things, that stuff I'm really good at. And there was just kind of a, a hole in the team with that, for that skill Um, And so it was, it was just this unique moment where there's this thing I could tell was going to work that I cared deeply about had been involved since the beginning and they needed my exact set of skills. Uh, and that was just too, too good to pass up. So. Um, it was a really tough decision. It was a really tough decision uh, because I cared and still care deeply about, about CoinList. But uh, in hindsight, I think it was, it was absolutely the right one.
0: So can you give me, like, what were those qualities, like, totally understand that you had a gut feeling, right? Like, mm-hmm. the, we all go with our gut, Righteous Mind, Jonathan Haidt, definitely... Gut is good, but you also need like evidence. But you just said you looked through four thousand projects, four thousand uh, you know different competitors, and you saw what was good, you saw what was bad. Um, but what were those things that really stood out like this is a perfect storm?
1: yeah, it was it was a couple things. You know, one, we had just kind of launched the early version of the eco app at that point. The app is uh, is not our entire vision, but it's an important part of it. And it's this single financial product for your whole financial life, um, saving, spending, uh, spending, making money all in one place and the product was working. So we were getting initial tracks. We could tell we had product market fit and we could just tell that this was, this product was going to take off. And so that was, that was really important. And then really what, what had happened was we had finished the the deep R and D work of researching the future path of eco and what would need to be built and how it would be built. And there was a clear plan in place that I could just see from A to B or from A to Z, um, what was going to need to happen for, for it to really take off. Um, and so the combination of product market fit on the app plus clear plan having emerged after a couple of years of, of kind of wandering around in the desert and and feeling around to try and find out what to do. That's, that's what made me really confident in an eco being, being successful.
0: What stage would you say ecos in? I, when you were telling your story, I was thinking about this book, Crossing the Chasm, uh, which mm-hmm. is like old school book. It's very funny to read and like hear the technology they had to update it, and still it's outdated. But mm-hmm. uh, but there's like this whole like moving from startup to like mass market or find like creating your your niche. Um and and when you said they were missing the skills that they're building, they're R and Ding. And I was able to come on and kind of like fill that fill that gap. But there's also like, you know, depending on your stage, like a whole team team change or other things that need to happen. So where would you say that eco is in in the in the phase the phases?
1: Yeah, we are we're still early, I would say. We're definitively early because you know, when you think about how far along something is, you have to measure it against the size of outcome that it's chasing after All right? so if just to to give a, a simple example if you say um you know i want to build the best uh i want to open the best pizza restaurant in brooklyn right by the time you've opened a pizza restaurant in brooklyn and people are showing up and you're getting you know good attendance you've you've kind of crossed the chasm you've got a little further to go to actually reach your goal but you've kind of crossed the chasm but if instead you say Hey, my goal is to create the best nationwide pizza shop. And you open yours in Brooklyn and um, people start to come and it's getting pretty good attendance. You're actually still just at the very beginning, right? Because the scale of your ambition has changed. And so the fact that you've got a well-trafficked shop in Brooklyn doesn't mean you're almost at the end. It doesn't mean you've crossed the chasm. It means you've kind of hit your first milestone. And so you always have to put projects in context of how ambitious they are when you think about how to measure them. Eco is insanely ambitious. We're trying to rebuild this financial system from the ground up, uh, which I said before and and is what we're trying to do. That's such a crazy idea and such a crazy outcome if it works that it's going to take a long time to get there. And that means that in the scope of things, we're still early. Now, do we have amazing traction on the eco-consumer app? We certainly do. Do we have, from my perspective, the best community in crypto? I think we do. I see a bunch of people in this this, uh, stage right now. Uh, Shout out! Who,
0: yes, very who nice, are,
1: who are part of that. So we've done a lot, but I still think it's early relative to the scale of our ambitions.
0: I love that you contextualized, uh, to me with your, your metaphor of be, building a pizza shop in Brooklyn, by the way, the best pizza ever, right. In Brooklyn, it's very tough, very highly competitive market. But if you're able to reach Brooklyn, you're going to be able to reach Fort Worth, Mm -hmm. I M H O. However, I understand like people with different pizzas like you want some people like casserole, which they call pizza in Chicago for some reason. You know, there are different tastes and such. But um, but it sounds like from me looking at eco and just kind of like snooping around, looking at Twitter and stuff, I really think that your customer is not crypto native or, or that's like the ideal customer that you're heading to. And maybe your pizza shop in Brooklyn is getting the crypto natives to then be evangelists to the normies. I'm not Mm. really sure. So, so how do you grow your platform? Who's your current target market? And then who, who is the future target market? Yeah.
1: So it's really, it's a really interesting question. The way we think about it at ECO is that we actually have two audiences, two, two sets of people we want to speak to. One of them is the mainstream, just like you said, everyday people, first in the U.S. and then all around the world, who are not super crypto savvy, who don't have deep crypto expertise, but who just want better financial services, who feel like their money is not working for them. And it could be. And when you go to eco.com, when you, uh, you know, read us, read about us in the press or whatever, it's all very focused on uh, that mainstream audience. But we have this kind of secret second audience which is the eco community which is the people who are really savvy who know what's going on um and who want to go deeper and who will be the earliest members of this movement and who are the earliest members of this movement and so you know it's actually interesting if you go to eco.com uh and you start you know watching there's a video that plays uh on the homepage that kind of walks you through the, how the financial system works that's great and everyone mainstream users love that it explains a lot for them it's, it's really excellent but there's a secret if you go to eco.com in a browser that has metamask installed or any crypto wallet we detect that and we notice that you're crypto savvy we say listen this person has metamask installed they're clearly savvy they know what's going on let's give them a different experience and so a couple slides into that video giving away the secret here a couple slides into that video the screen kind of changes, it goes into a sort of X-ray mode, and additional information starts coming up. And it's only once that's happened that we will actually give you access to the Eco Discord. You can't get into the Eco Discord just from going to eco.com. You can only get in if we assess that you're crypto-savvy, that you know what you're talking about. Um, and that's how we segment these two different audiences. And it's a really interesting and challenging messaging problem um, because, you know, the mainstream users... If you talk to them too much about crypto and what's going on, uh they'll get scared right they 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 aren't ready for that yet. but for these deeply crypto savvy, really intelligent people, they need more, and so we have to find ways to kind of speak to both audiences in their own way and and uh, and give them what they what they each need. so yeah, a big part of our work is is driving this mainstream adoption because we think that's what the future will be, but we think the earliest stages of eco will be really bootstrapped by the earliest members of the of the movement, which is the the very crypto savvy community that we have.
0: Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, I, going to the site and looking at at the language, it's not necessarily like. uh, uh I, Now I'm like, I got Safari up and I've got Brave up, mm. and I'm like, I'm you know, trying to like one of my sites is darker blue, and then and, yeah. and now I'm all fascinated. But I, I'm doing a podcast, so I can't really. <laughs> Mm-hmm. explore, but I will but, um, But yeah, there, there's this, uh, especially with normies, with the crypto curious or not even crypto curious in adoption, it's like, do we even need to onboard people to crypto? Ideally, we're abstracting away a lot of the, the, uh, the tussle of crypto. Uh, an example of which is like, no one really thinks about connecting to the internet anymore. You don't click dial or you don't have to wait, make sure the phone line is open. You just... Find mm-hmm. a Wi-Fi. You know, it's 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 been abstracted away in a certain amount, and so with Eco, I think that at least from my experience is that the uh, the points are a, a very key mechanic in this. Mm-hmm. So 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 what you're doing is you're trying to move away from big banks. You're trying to move away from everybody getting a percentage and everybody trying to. You know, it, 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 taking money away from you, which is a really great selling point, <laughs> and people feel that. I feel that. Um, and then, and then trying to, um, you know, go give back, give to the user, like, hey, you're gonna, you're gonna going to retain this value instead of get it s- sponged away from you, sucked away from you. Um, mm-hmm. it, so that's my impression. Is that correct? Like, eco's points is like a key mechanic. This is why you want to be a part of this is the return that you get back.
1: Yeah. So, so when you use the eco app, if you're a mainstream user in the U S using the eco app, you get a bunch of benefits in fiat, you get uh cash back, you earn APY rewards. Um, and so that's why people use that product at its core, but they also earn eco points and those points, uh, yeah, are, are the thing we, one thing we say a lot is, uh, the points are the point. And, uh, and that's, that's kind of one of our, one of our mantras is this idea that, what we're actually building towards is making these points as useful as possible. And we have some big stuff coming out in the next, uh, you know, very, very soon window, uh, on, uh, on that in particular, um, which the community knows. And so the points are the point. And really, what we've built is this consumer financial product, this app that you know, offers people amazing benefits in fiat, in dollars, uh, which convinces normal mainstream people to go over and use this product. But what we're secretly doing at, as they use it is giving them these points. We're onboarding them into the points ecosystem, to the points economy. And we've, we're doing that in kind of a, a subtle way, in almost like a Trojan horse way. By, you know, not you know the the eco community in in Discord, the crypto savvy people, they know that points are interesting. They know points are going to be something. Um, but the more mainstream normal people don't know that, right? And so what we need to do with them is give them an experience in fiat that gets them really excited, and then use that as a way to onboard them into this points economy as well. Um, and so that's the kind of dual dual track strategy that we that we follow there.
0: And I believe you. Listen, points are the point. I love that, but i I also seen that work in my own life or in my mom's life. I talk about my mom a lot on the show. I don't know why. Um, but uh, but Starbucks rewards points. I mean, the those things are basically currency. They're their own fiat. But there also is every there's a lot of points, noise out there. So, if the points are the point, how do you differentiate mm-hmm. eco points as being the points? Like, those are the points, the two wants, mm-hmm. rather than everyone else with their, with their points or their, you know, carrots that they're dangling.
1: Yeah. Well, that's, that's a lot of what we have coming out over the next couple of months that uh, I can't say too much on quite yet. Um, but, uh, but the way we talk about it is that these points are you know, what we call an open rewards currency. So they're an open system. And I think the big difference here is that Starbucks points and American airlines miles, and you know, all of these point systems, they're all closed systems, you can't take your points out of the system, uh, they're stuck there. They're stuck in the walled garden and the companies that run these programs can devalue this points, those points whenever they want. And they do Right? the, the number of points you needed to book a flight on American airlines five years ago much lower than it is today and they can just arbitrarily do that and we don't think that's right we think that once you earn something it should be yours you should own it you should be able to take it away if you want to take it away and it shouldn't be managed and devalued by a single entity we think something better can exist there and so that's what these points are building towards is this open rewards currency that's not controlled by us that's not you know our thing that we can devalue at will but is actually managed and governed by the people who hold it, the people who actually are the owners of the points and creating that as a paradigm for the future, and one where you can take them anywhere, where it's open, where anyone can accept points or integrate points or get involved with points. Um, And so that's what we're trying to build out is is this idea of an open rewards currency uh, and what what kind of comes after that as well and, and, and what the future could look like based on that.
0: So then, is it? So I, I'm i battling within myself, being mm-hmm. somewhat up on the crypto game, the DeFi game, the NFT flavors, the chains, the layers. Mm-hmm. But then also, there's points, and then there's my Starbucks app, and there's my you know Amex points, and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and the closed system. So as soon as you open it, and I know doing play to earn. Anytime you go through these rewards, there's a lot of like inflation mm. that happens, and so if you open it up, are there like a set amount of points? Is it deflationary? Is it an inflationary, and who cares because that's fine? like can you explain that for me sir i uh,
1: I can't explain all of that yet. I mean I could, but i uh, you know in, in the in the vein of sequencing can't can't give all the secrets away quite yet. I think that what I would say is that You know, these things, if you want to build them for the long term. So so actually, there's a first premise to talk about here, which is that a lot of crypto projects, uh, you know, and this is this is fine. A lot of crypto projects are built for the short term. They're they're meant to be short term projects. They may not say that, but people want to get in and out and, you know, that's it. And it's a short term thing. An eco is built for the long term. We think this thing could be around for generations and centuries and it could be around forever. And so you have to, we have to build it with that premise in mind. And, you know, massive constant inflation doesn't seem like a good premise to base something that's going to be around for decades, generations, centuries. That seems wrong. And I think the better heuristic is, well, what if kind of supply of something uh, matched up against the economy that it represented? What if there were enough to support the economy that it represents, rather than just minting more and more to incentivize new people to show up and you know, see who the last fool in is? That's not the model that we think makes a lot of sense. So, so for us, it's more about matching the growth of the system to, uh, to the economy that it supports, rather than just arbitrarily incentivizing people to show up and get in.
0: When you were looking at ECO, were the points there? The points were the point still
1: the point, the points were the point. The points have always been the point. Always been the point. Like
0: Jinx. Yeah. That was great. Immutable points. Even like, as you're talking, I'm writing down notes and I'm like, Ooh, that's, that's anyway, hmm. like, yeah. What, what if something that stands the test of time when they unearth civilizations and eco points are there on a flickering yeah. iPhone screen or something? Yes. I don't see why Beautiful. not. So Andy, I'm, uh, part of my role here at Pull Together is I, I started doing the podcast. I've been like full time in crypto since November 2021, but I dabbled in 2019 and 2020. And I got I got mad about like the fees. I just want to do stuff with tech. I like to be on the bleeding edge. I like to you know, buy stuff and immediately get it outdated because a new version of hardware came out. I love that because I get to do cool new things and have fun with it. And that was my, what I wanted to do with crypto, but then I put 200 bucks in and see it whittled down to $30 on mainnet because of fees. And that really like cooked my noodle. I was just like, what are you doing? Why is this? And then my friend Layton, who is co-founder of together. he got me back in, in November, 2021 and told me about airdrops. And it was a new dynamic that I was like, oh, I got rewarded like that 200 bucks that I put in and I flipped it around on Uniswap and deposited it and pulled together, got me Uniswap tokens and got me uh, pull together tokens. And um, and so but these eco points are not governance, which is generally what people are thinking. Right. This is not a governance thing. It's a um, it's 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 a. I'm really intrigued. You've really got me excited about like, Ooh, what could you do with points? Are what we buying Buicks? Are Buicks still around? Are we what, like,
1: <laughs> why, why should there be any boundaries as to what you could do with points? I don't, I don't know that there should be. And I think if you're trying to, to build something totally new that can stick around for a long time, I think it has to be able to to serve basically every use case. You know, we've got a, a really interesting challenge going on in the, in the eco community right now, um, for those eco community members in the audience, I'm talking about Tao challenge five. Um, and it's this challenge talking about, you know, let's imagine a world of points in a couple of different scenarios down the road. And let's think about what use cases might develop for those points. And it's amazing to see there's a wide range of, of ideas. Um, but it could really be anything, you know, I think exactly what you're, what you're saying is is spot on that, your mind starts to go crazy with the possibilities. You're like, wait, these could be used for anything. And, you know, why don't we just keep enabling more and more use cases like that? Why would it have to be single purpose or narrowly focused when instead it could, it could serve a much bigger economy? Um, and so, yeah, I think there's, there's a lot that points can do.
0: I love how I got wooed off track because I was just like, as I was talking, I my brain started. You know, it's the ADD. It's fine, um, but but back to the where I was going with that was, I you know, I got in a pool together and I started helping with the community and started taking notes because no one was taking notes. So then I started doing that. And then the podcast was here and Smart Investor handed me the podcast and I'm able to run with that. And and uh, and then I, I started naturally finding out that I'm a business developer, that I like to schmooze. Mm-hmm. I like to talk to people. I like to find win, 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 wins, um, even really complex ones. And I understand that partnerships are messy. But I really believe in the power of them, especially as we try to onboard people to crypto. To this thing, if 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 at some point we don't lock arms, we're not gonna we're not gonna, it's not gonna work, right? So, uh, what is Ecos business development strategy or or the the partnership strategy, right? Because you're building a product, you don't want to creep. But then there's also like as we just we mentioned all these big brands. But then there's also crypto brands that I could see eco partnering with as well. So what's mm-hmm. your strategy with biz dev and partnerships?
1: Yeah, we we call it um, economic development is what we call it uh, because at the end of the day, what we're trying to build here is an economy, uh, and uh, and so what we need to do is develop that economy. Um, and so yeah, for us, uh, you can't you can't do it alone. You have to do these things together. And uh, one of the things I love most about crypto as an industry is how collaborative people are by default. Everyone generally has this idea. We say this all the time in the eco community that we all win together. And I think that um, that attitude is pretty widespread that we only win if we all win together. And so for us, yeah, partnering with other projects, other um, companies, other You know, protocols, all of those things are totally on the table and something that we are actively working on. And especially after some of the big changes coming in the next couple of months for the eco, uh, eco community, um, we'll we'll have even more kind of reason to go out and be doing that. So that's a that's a key part of our our strategy. We can't do it alone.
0: I've also noticed on this call, like we had. um... Let me see if if she's still here. Uh, Was it Lilia? Uh, uh, Lalishka. Lalishka came up and sang for us. And, um, in in, in English is not Lalishka's first language. And so I know that there's a very, there, you, you had mentioned this first in the U S but globally, I do feel like there's an international community out there. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's a strong community outside of the U S. How do you manage that as well? Like creating the, making sure that the community experience for somebody living in North America for an English speaker, uh, and somebody who, whose English isn't the first language? Like, how, how do you manage a community and make sure the experience is still top-notch? Yeah, well,
1: you know, for us, the US thing doesn't really matter. Yeah, if you're in the US, you happen to be able to use the eco app and get these benefits in, in, in fiat and dollars. And, you know, would I like everyone to be able to do that? I certainly would. Uh, and, you know, that's something we want to work towards. But at the end of the day, the points are the point, not the app. The app's not the point, the points are the point. And, you know, the points uh, don't care what country you're in or what language you speak or anything like that. Unfortunately, for regulatory reasons, the app has to, but it's fine because the app's not the point. The points are the point. And, uh, and so for us, you know, the eco community, it's built out to just be this amazing place, everyone communicating, collaborating. We run a ton of challenges and bounties and everything. Shout out uh, both Dave and Rob, are too. Uh, world-class community managers are in here, plus a whole bunch of other people from the community who run their own bounties and challenges. Uh, and I, I would, I would name them, but there's too many in here for me to even nail down. Ildar, uh, runs a lot of challenges in the community, prefects, Valerini and Salo and, and others, who else is in here? There's a whole bunch of people, uh, docked in with the memes. Um, and so we've got this amazing sadhead crab with the memes is we've got this amazing group of people that do all of their own projects and work on things and no one really cares where they're from what their first language is the community is mostly in english although we do have uh foreign language channels just because you know there's value to having everyone talking together rather than segmented into into kind of like different places for different languages but um but the activities that we do and uh and bounties that that happen and challenges that happen they don't care where you are um Anyone can do those Those anywhere.
0: I think that's gonna be a huge unlock. I, I work with um, a nonprofit in Japan uh, with J- Japanese speakers primarily, and uh, just even in the discord uh, to see like real time translation happening. We're so close, like in mm-hmm. the next 12 months, I'm gonna, I, I'm so pumped to see. You know, live captions on Zooms or Discord, or you know, we're so close. We're even seeing this mo- very much so in uh, Facebook and Instagram, where I can just immediately—I don't even have to click anything. I can, I'm able to read um, someone else's post and connect with them, and they can read my comment in real time. And I'm so pumped to, to see that unlock happen. But let me let me try my BD my BD skills with you, sir. Uh, I, I I want when you talk about points. Pulled together as a prize savings account, so we we want to see people save, and we want to mm-hmm. see them win, and we want to enable small fish to win outsized prizes. We want we want to we want to um, you know the whales the whales are whales whales are going to whale, but we want to encourage everyone whatever that savings amount is, we want them to save, not lose anything, and then be able to see the potential of outsized returns. And so pull together is super simple. It's gotta be USDC. You can pick mainnet, you can pick Avalanche, Polygon, or Optimism. Optimism, you're getting rewards right now. And then the cool thing is, and this is this has been a hump that's that's difficult for 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 me to get over. I want to see treasuries, I want to see communities with large sums of money deposit that into pull together, and then you can delegate the prizes to your contributors. Mm-hmm. or your NFT holders. It's no loss marketing. It's no loss, you know, prizes. It's, it's, it's really a cool mechanic. But I do feel like there it's been it's been difficult to get even mainnet people off of mainnet or even to change mm-hmm. eth. like nouns nouns are so eth Maxi that they won't convert it to USDC. Um, mm-hmm. And so as my wheels are spinning hearing about this, I'm like, oh, so if points are the point, it's not the app, it's the points. Um maybe there's a world where p- points can be saved on pool together and mm. then you know like there's even that kind of mechanic and I don't know if that's like because it's open right you they, these are open points or pool together could assign use eco or can, can use these points as rewards so i'm just trying to think of ways that mm-hmm. eco and pool together could partner uh just even just right off the top of the dome
1: totally i mean i think those are both great ones i think um i would love to see points, especially over the next couple of months as things start to shift, um, end up on pool together and let people participate in that way. Cause I do think, you know, for us, points end up being a lot like uh, like other other assets like USDC. Not they're not a dollar. It's not it's not like that. It's not a stable coin. But you know, they're they're an asset that people should use to to think of for participating in economies the same way you think of dollars or USDC. And so yeah, the idea that pool together could do that, I think would be really cool. Getting the pool together, community um, to to be able to earn some points, I think would be awesome. Um, you know, we we actually have in in the Eco Discord uh, a uh, we call it the sweepstakes bot. So it's not it's not pool together, it's not no loss, but it's a it's a way for people to um, we run sweepstakes. People can buy tickets with points, and then you know the someone wins a big pile of points on the other side of that. Um, or you can, you know, people can give their tickets to each other, um, and, uh, and move them around. And so that is interesting. I think no loss, um, mechanisms are probably even more interesting. So yeah, we're, we're all ears for ways to work together.
0: Yeah. And in V5, which is soon TM always, um, mm-hmm. it, 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 the idea is like, sure, we can take no loss and you don't have to have a stable coin to be no loss. You can have whatever you want to save. You can mm-hmm. put it into pull together. And uh, you're not going to lose that thing now if, you know, if it's Luna or something, you're going to, but, but generally, you know, you, you get in what you, you, you get to withdraw what you put in. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. Uh, So what's the future, Andy? What's the, what's the, the great unknown? Primarily for eco. And I know that we you've talked about it. You've been able to say, like, okay, points of the point, can't really tell you stuff because of sequencing, but that's short term, right? Let's talk yeah. longer term, which I feel like you can you're a little able to be more free with. And I would love to hear it for eco. And then I would love to hear it for the crypto landscape, especially mm. from somebody from the Stanford Bitcoin group.
1: Yeah. Uh, for eco, I've said it a couple of times already, and I'll I'll say it again. We want to rebuild the financial system from the ground up. We want to build uh, up a new type of economy, one that is working in our best interest, not ours in the eco team, ours in all of us, this community together and something that's actually incentive aligned and is creating a better world through reimagining how value flows around. You know, one thing we say sometimes is that money isn't just about value. It's about values. Money has built into it a set of values, a value system. And the monies that we use today, you know, these fiat currencies for most things, they have a certain value system built into them. And that's not good or bad. It just it is what it is. But there could be something different with a different value system with a different set of of base beliefs. Um, and that's what we're what we're building towards is is creating that that future. So that's what we're really excited about is reimagining everything about how we move value and and how we, how we represent value uh, changing and trying to see if we can build something better that is more aligned with all of our best interests together. Um, and so that's, that's the dream there. With respect to crypto more broadly, there's tons of interesting stuff. And if I've learned one thing in 10 years of being in crypto, it is that I can basically never predict what's coming next or what's gonna matter. But I will say some things that I'm really interested in remain. Um, Super excited about Bitcoin, and I think I always will be. Um, and so I think that one's sticking around uh, and uh, and really excited about some of the stuff happening on ethereum too and um, and also many other networks. but um, but I remain very excited about both of those uh, kind of top two. Um, beyond that, some some other things I'm excited about. I am I feel like we're getting to the point where um, things are starting to go from theory to practice. Now I would actually point to pool together as a really good example of that. It's like a real use case, a real reason for someone to use the thing. And I don't know that there are all that many projects out there with real use cases. So that's something I'm really excited about is the development of that. Um, on the technology side, a couple things I'm, I'm kind of excited about that I'm looking towards here. One is that it feels like zero knowledge proofs have crossed a chasm and we can now start to develop actual really interesting use cases with ZKPs and, and, and zero knowledge mechanisms for a couple of years there. They were really, they were slow and also kind of in their nascent stage. So it was more in the, in the theory realm than it was in practice, but I'm starting to see some things based on, on zero knowledge proofs that, um, that I think could be really compelling. And so that's something I'm excited about. And then also very excited about the idea of, um, decentralized reputation primitives and identity primitives and you know what does on-chain identity and reputation look like i think the spoiler alert on that is that it won't it will not look much like off-chain identity and i think where where that kind of space has has struggled is in trying to replicate everything from the traditional world on chain i don't think that's the way to go and i think there's going to be new forms of identity and reputation that begin to emerge um over the next couple of years and that's something i'm really excited about too
0: yeah i mean we talk about this uh, as far as like peer-to-peer lending um like not collateralized like the collateral would be your reputation in the crypto space and mm-hmm. like even as you're talking about this i'm like oh yeah but then somebody could be nefarious with not their main. I'm always, I'm always looking for the scam now. So Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, somebody could be like really buttoned up in their main, in their main, and just have a bunch of nefarious things running around. But generally you would, you would deal with somebody on their main account with the built up trust to be able to lend very similar to like how you would use an ENS. So I'm timcox.eth and, Mm -hmm. um, I could put that out for, 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 for collateral. I could collateralize that uh, because, mm-hmm. like, if that goes away, then my reputation is is so. Yeah, that's very, that's very interesting. But listen, Andy, you, Bitcoin Maxi, you didn't say that, but but you're 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 very excited about Bitcoin. But I got to ask, in my ignorance, in my ETH, eco, my EVM ignorance or whatever, what's exciting about Bitcoin? Like, what are you excited? Like, what's other than just like sitting there?
1: Yeah, I actually. So a lot of things, it's a great question. A lot of things out there are exciting because there are lots of developments happening. So like, I think Ethereum is exciting because of how fast it's evolving and how many new developments are coming out and all the EIPs floating around and um, and there's just a lot of innovation happening. So that's a reason something could be really exciting. I think the reason I'm most excited about Bitcoin is that it's not exciting. And another reason to be excited about something is that It just works for what it's meant to do. Bitcoin, I don't think is going to do everything. I don't think Bitcoin is, you know, the platform on which the next big decentralized computation platform is going to, you know, exist. I don't think that's true. I don't think it'll ever compete as a, as a, you know, world-class smart contract platform or L one. Um, but I do think it's really good at what it does, which is basically just sitting there and it has proven resistant and slow to change which I think is its greatest advantage in what it's trying to do in this, in this kind of creation of a new asset. So I'm not suggesting that I wish every asset was like that, or that's the only thing that's valuable, but I do think there's a place for it. And, you know, Bitcoin's immobility I think is one of its, one of its greatest strengths for what it is trying to accomplish.
0: So if you could onboard me as a, as a Bitcoin curious person, what would you like, what were the steps for me? to experience or 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 I don't know what thinking like wet my palate for bitcoin. Yeah.
1: You know, unfortunately it's boring. It's it's probably buying some bitcoin and then letting it sit there for 10 years. And that's the bitcoin experience and it's not fun, it's not exciting, it's not uh thrilling, it's not you know, it doesn't feel like you're using some crazy technology, but it just works for what it's meant to do. And uh, and I think that's really appealing. There are if you want a great experience, there are a million other things that you can (laughs) go off and do. uh, And I just don't think I don't think Bitcoin is is one of those necessarily.
0: So don't go to McDonald's and spend Bitcoin is what you're saying. That's that is a bastardization of Bitcoin.
1: I would I would skip that.
0: Okay, I love it. Well, Andy, we are coming to the end of our time together, uh, single tier. But do you have anything else that you wanted to talk about? Talk about that we you wanted to cover in this in this beautiful podcast? I have to say this is this is shaped up to be a really great conversation, IMHO. But anything that we haven't covered that you were hoping to cover with the pool together community?
1: Now we we covered a lot of ground. I uh, I think we pretty much pretty much hit it. I'm I'm super excited about. Pull together I have been for years and it's just been cool to see it steadily progress. So I am excited for V5. Uh, I know soon TM, I've been hearing that, uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing that come out. And I think, um, it's just cool to see a true financial primitive. Like, I think, I think this idea of, of no loss lotteries is a core financial primitive and one that is useful in many different circumstances for, you know, everything from direct consumer like savings incentivization to, yeah, like you were saying, you know, Dow treasury management and contributor incentivization. Um, and I think, you know, one of the most interesting and exciting things about crypto and DeFi is this idea of composability and being able to put these building blocks together. And I just think, yeah, no loss lotteries are a a core, you know, primitive core building block. And so I'm excited to see what happens there over the next couple of years.
0: And we got a question in the Discord uh, chat basically about how can we work together and I think we, we discussed a little bit about this earlier but I think that the way that our communities can work together specifically is in the community sense uh just hopping into each other's discords you're all over you're all over here we we all need to go over there and uh and maybe get a couple points in our pockets and yeah. just try it out and and then yeah I think V5 is going to unlock a lot so excited about the future. It looks bright. So thank you so much, Andy, for, for joining us here today. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to the Pool Together community podcast. You can visit pulltogether.com to deposit. And we'd love to hear what you thought about today's episode. So visit the Pool Together Discord and let us know.